This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango along with Jeremy Rutherford and Alex Ferrario. Uh, it is a uh, an opportunity for us to sit down to talk about uh, our St. Louis Blues and whatever the hell else comes to our mind. And I haven't been to work for the last couple of days. I have been doing no kind of adulting. I have been uh, just out and about. And so you guys are going to absolutely have to carry this podcast because my brain is fried. <laughs> fried. Donnie goes to a concert in Detroit for a couple of days, comes back. It's like, where are we again? That's dude, that's <laughs> that's exactly it. I have a terrible time. So, so, so since I am so... Um, um, wound up all the time. I am not no. good at all of unplugging and relaxing. I'm not good at it at all. It's like I'm 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 wound up even when I think I'm relaxed. Have you ever seen the movie Accepted? Huh. With uh, Justin Long and Jonah Hill, have you seen this where they build their own college? Louis Black's in there. Yeah, Louis but Black's I, in I haven't it. seen it. No, it's, it's amazing. There's there's a guy who's like you, where he's like super hyperactive all the time, and they tell him, "It's like, hey, have you ever tried relaxing?" And they're like, "He's like, no, I'll try it." And he sits down for a couple seconds, and he's like shaking. He stands up. He goes, "That was awesome. Thank you so much." <laughs> that's Donnie unwinding, that is, dude. That's that's a hundred percent. So, but for whatever reason, I was able to really. Whew, Park it, and I am, <laughs> dudes. I am not in the mind frame to be at work. Like I am just thinking about like the pizza that I ate while I was there, the freaking tacos that I ate when I was there, how great Depeche Mode while I w- w- was when I was there, how much I really loved Little Caesars Arena. You know, seeing a show there. So like, I don't know how much good I'm going to be to you guys today. Just being, just being real honest. Well, it's funny he says he's not going to be able to carry it today. And what's different about this one? Alex and I carried the past couple too. So that's no. right. <laughs> Touche, Boy, I, I got to tell you something. JR, right? For a really nice guy, <laughs> oh, JR yeah, no. brings the thunder, <laughs> I'm man. I'm telling you, man. These, it's these hockey guys, man. You work around them enough, you're like, man, they are really good at finding those low digs every once in a while. You walk away from a conversation with hockey guys, and you're like, I don't know if that was fun or if I want to go home and cry right now. <laughs> right. Most of the time, cry. Don't hang around Kelly Chase. <laughs> yeah, or Curbs or Joe Vitale. They all get you, man. Yeah, it sounds like it, man. I think that's why I wrote Game of Thrones down in my notes because I think <laughs> I, I somehow I, I wrote notes from the, as I'm watching the game last night. Or little, you know, just little like chop things, not full on notes. And I wrote Game of Thrones. Haven't. And don't give an ish is what is what I is what I wrote about it, and and I, and I guess like my story, <laughs> the one that's out or coming out. <laughs> so I so I don't so these are all super random, but I must have been curbs because right up above that I have Mike McKenna. Okay, and I love listening to Mike, and I know I wanted to talk about Mike today because he was doing the play by play, or I, he was working with Curbs last yeah. night on the radio. Mike, side Mike's Mike's awesome. I mean, uh, Mike's got the goaltender perspective, which. I mean, how many goaltender analysts are around the NHL? I mean, obviously, uh, Chris Mason, the former Blue. Panger. Panger, obviously. Um, Brian Boucher. But think about, like, these are these are like top analysts that are goaltenders. And I love goaltender perspective because it gives you the angle that nobody else has. Like, you could talk to defensemen, you could talk to forwards, but a goaltender sees the entire game breaking down, and they can give you the actual understanding of what took place on a goal that went in. So, I personally think Mike's great. Uh, Mike worked in Vegas to, uh, on the Golden Knights. Of course, he's from St. Louis. He's done some work for Daily Faceoff and for Sirius XM. So, uh, it was cool that Curbs had him come in and do a couple of games. Yeah, and I talked to him last night in the press box. Donnie, he, he gave up 
media recently. He was like, I'm just moving on, do some other things. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he gets this phone call, hey, would you do the color with Curbs while Joey runs up and, and goes into the Hall of Fame in Northeastern. So I saw Mike last night, talked to him, showed me a picture on his phone. He's got a side-by-side. His daughter, young daughter, she's a, a goalie, and he had a side-by-side of him and her and the the stance in the crease playing the net was like identical. Oh that's wow, awesome. that's so awesome! But man, I I, I got to tell you, I what well, and I know he has kiddos, and I know being a dad is primary number one for him, and and it was towards the end of his career and things. We saw that when he had the the little kiddos, but like. I hate the idea of him not being involved in in hockey media, man. Like, and what I was gonna say about Mike, one of the reasons that I like him so much is that he reminds me of Jamie, and that he has an amazing way of being able to break down the game and break down things so that my dumbass can understand it. Some are <laughs> not even dumbass, but like somebody that has not played the game that doesn't have the technical knowledge, you can kind of get lost in the weeds sometimes. Hundred percent. And guys like Jamie and and guys like Mike, I think, do an amazing freaking job of making it regular people talk you know over the years working on so many different stories like i didn't play you know i've covered the blues for 19 years but you you know the x's and o's but until you're out on the ice and you see the way things work like a jamie like a mike like a ton of times i've called mike mckinnon and say hey i'm gonna send you a video show me what happens on this play and it's amazing they call back (laughs) and they say okay this guy was supposed to be here but he did that that's why he had to compensate for that and like oh my gosh i sucked at geometry and every time mike mckenna uses the word angles i'm like dude what are you talking about but he's like oh well his angle was off here i'm like cool was it a 90 degree angle is it an obtuse rectangle what are we talking about mike protractor yeah but you have to also have to think too that i wonder with mike you probably you know if you've got a kid that's that's approaching middle school or or high school you probably and have been gone for so long you probably want to see the games and go to the practices and do all of those kinds of things so i guess that would make sense well, in, in stepping back it's a bit. tough too because if you're mike you know like a lot of people you're doing freelance stuff you know you're working for daily face off and you're doing articles i think he was doing like three or four articles a week and then you were doing the videos that you were doing he was doing serious xm but you know you're kind of like you're here you're there you're when they call you have to jump immediately it's not like it's scheduled so you can plan it out so like you said when you got two little kids that are involved with everything and it's not scheduled out you got to find something a little more consistent tell tell donnie how hard media is here (laughs) yeah see (laughs) don't get a well, I marvel at what you guys. It's one of the reasons that I have huge imposter syndrome when I'm in that when I'm in that press box, and I'm not even I'm not lying because like I man since I was a little kid and started reading about sports and reading sports like the mythology and the aura of the sports writer and the job in which that they do, and I know that we can giggle about that and whatever the case, but you have an ear. And a, a pulse of that locker room that very few other people do. And it's so amazing to me. There's something kind of magical about it. And I have so much respect for it, man. Like, so, like, I just, when I'm up there, it's just weird, man, because like, I 100% feel out of place. And then, Alex, when you and I were up there for a playoff game uh-huh. against Minnesota and the game's going to hell early on, <laughs> I just want to scream my head off. And the inability to do that is really stifling, I man. remember that game with Donnie, too. He was sitting next to me, and I looked at him and I'm like, I'm sorry, man. I picked the wrong game for you to come yeah, to with I, me. I was just, oh you know, but I, but, I mean, I think that there is something – really remarkable about what you guys do man and and and, you know you take a lot of grief from from fans you know for your perspectives (laughs) but i mean jr mutes his uh uh, 
comments on his Twitter account, so he doesn't know. So I just think it's amazing, man. So that's why I just have tons and tons and tons and tons of respect for what you guys do. And then when you got a guy like Mike McKenna, you just see like he would be somebody that would just be beneficial for the sport yeah. to have representing. Yeah. Hey, Donnie, a quick story about uh, being at a game. My first one, I was kind of a Cub reporter. I was covering high school, uh, maybe some college for the Post-Dispatch. And they said, hey, can you go down to the Blues game and help out with Dave Luking, Tom Wheatley, Jeff Gordon? Those? I go, are you kidding me? I've been reading them for years. <laughs> yeah. I'm dying to go. Well, now keep in mind, I'm from St. Louis, so I grew up a Blues fan. All the Blues posters hanging up in my room as a kid. And all of a sudden, I'll never forget this. I think it was Esatikin behind the net, passes in front, shoots, scores, and I jump up. Yeah! <laughs> like that. I'll never. Dave no. Luking looks up at me. He goes, hey, uh, okay, so um, you're going to have to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> did people look at you when you did that? Yeah, and, and I've never done it since, but yeah. it was that first night, and you just got to, you know, get over it. Oh, dude. I'll tell you, I, I mean, I've sat, I've sat next to JR. I sit next to Lou, to Matt DeFranks. Like, I see the work that goes into it, and this, this isn't me pumping your tires. Like, I suck at writing. I always have. Suck at talking, too. For So good for me, I guess, to get to this point. But watching these guys in the middle of a game last night, for example, 2-1, you got your story written. And then the other team scores with three seconds left. And then it's control A, delete, start writing again. And then watching these guys have to crank out a story during a shootout is absurd. Because that shootout ends. Let's say it's five rounds. Can't really have you can have your 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 skeleton of a story, but that's about it. Shootout ends. Better finish your story because you got to turn it in in five minutes. Exactly, and I don't have to do it as much anymore. Right, uh, being at the athletic, but in the post dispatch days, nine hundred words due at the buzzer. Like when that horn sounds, you send in your nine hundred words. So what happens, and especially in a shootout, you, you've had to change so many references. <laughs> yeah. So let's say in a nine hundred word story, you might have ten references to. The Blues extended their winning streak to three games. Well, not anymore. They just lost a shootout, so now oh. it went down. Or, you know, uh, Robert Thomas has scored in five straight games. Well, not anymore. He just, you know, didn't score yeah. in this game. So there's so many references that you go back and change. But, yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've, like you said, highlighted, <laughs> delete, 900 words. Just- so, JR, like what time, what time do you leave Enterprise Center after a home game? So as we're recording this, it's what nine eighteen in yeah. the morning. I left Enterprise last night about one a.m. after finishing a Blues mailbag, turned yeah. it in, and then you know home one forty-five, bed two o'clock. So you know maybe that's a little bit later than a typical night, but yeah, we got to sit up there. It's almost like that's when the work starts uh-huh. when the game's over. So <laughs> when everybody leaves the building, well, is yeah. when work starts. Because don't you go down to the locker room? Yeah, yeah you go down to the locker room, yeah. and so then you got to take that back up as well. Wow, I wondered about that. How many folks are still there when you're there? Uh, the the clean- security guard and the cleaning security team. Guard, yeah, and the cleaning crew. I'll never forget one time uh, the cleaning team, there was a lady, and she's up there cleaning the press box, and she goes, hey, you going to be here for a little bit? And I said, yeah. She goes, uh, I'm going to plug my cell phone in and charge it. Can you watch it <laughs> so nobody takes it? I thought she was going to tell you there's the lights. When you're done, hit them and leave. <laughs> so I finished my story, and then I feel guilty leaving because here's her cell phone. Right. Yeah, so. Oh, so man. So JR until 4 a.m. until they came back. Like, here's your cell phone. So I just took the phone with me. <laughs> well, uh, gentlemen, I mean, you know, we've got – Good things in which to speak of. Blues win again last night. So what is it, like three of four uh, at this particular point? Uh, Robert Thomas, maybe 
As, as I'm watching this last night, I'm thinking to myself, maybe we should have been having the Robert Thomas star conversation on the last on the last podcast because he seems to be bringing it up uh, to another level. And while the power play is still what the power play is, which is bad, hey man, they ended up they got the win at home, ideal or not. It's still two freaking points, and that's huge. I felt filthy talking about the power play opening up postgame last night because it was a 2-1 win. But like a 2-1 win against Arizona, your first win against the Central Division, Thomas' goal streak extended, Hofer looked awesome, defense played outstanding, but the narrative of that game still was the power play. I mean, yeah. you're 1 for 35 right now on this power play, which it, it's it's odd to talk about like you're 1 for 35 and, and it seems broken. And I, I'm going to have a Donnie rant, which isn't really a Donnie rant. We all know this. Somebody commented to me last night on, on social media, which is just a great place to be during games. <laughs> they said, who's the uh, power play coach? Needs to be fired right now. Yeah, the power play coach that had a power play that was second best in the NHL three years ago, sixth best in the NHL four years ago, and third best in the NHL two years ago. Yeah, that guy needs to be fired. The power play just needs to start clicking. They need a they need a puck to go off of a ref's gonads into the net. That's what they need. That's what they need. They scored off the ref's skate last night. Yeah, so. I know. That's that's what you need on the power play. So at least you could be like, hey, we're actually good at this. They've got the yips right now. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I knew going into the locker room last night that that's what we were going to encounter with the players, and understandably so. They won the game. They won the game. And, you know, I don't have to ask as many detailed questions anymore like I did when I was with the Post-Dispatch. You kind of ask big-picture type things because that's what I'm going to be writing after the game. But, yeah, the first couple questions, which the reporters had to ask, was, uh, you know, hey, how about the power play? Yeah, but we won the game. <laughs> okay, yeah. move on to the next guy. Yeah. Hey, the power play. Yeah, but we won the game. Like, <laughs> right. Okay, I see where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> What's so crazy, though, dudes, is, like, it feels as though – the confidence in which that the Blues have gained over the course of the last you know week and a half or so that we see in five on pl- five on five play, man, it is gone when they're on the power play. Yeah. Like it is some stick gripping. Like they're looking for that extra. It, it it you can just tell that the confidence is not the same on the power play as it is uh, five on five or even close. Which once again, let, let's think about what we're talking about because last year, not only did the team lack power play confidence, they lacked penalty kill confidence. You lacked five on five confidence. Coming you lacked to the rink confidence. Six on five confidence. <laughs> getting on the ice confidence. Like you lacked everything. And now, like five on five play, you are a significantly better team. I think I looked this last night. You've outscored your opponent at even strength this season, 18 to 15. So, like, even strength, you've been the better team. The power play is what hurt you right now. I, I just, watching that five on three last night, JR. the amount of drop passes to, 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 to nobody or the amount of whiffs on shots, this isn't like a lack of talent on the power play. Right now, it's the, oh, we're in our own heads on the power play, and we realize that if we don't score on the first shift in the zone, when it gets out of the zone, it feels like the team realizes we're not going to get back in. It was just tough to watch. It really was. I mean, I was kind of keeping a laundry list of what was going wrong yeah. there with that 5-on-3, and like Alex said, just passes that are missing, and all of a sudden they're out of the zone. You have to regroup. It's taken 30 seconds to regroup, and – and I just don't know. I think there's talent on this power play. And I asked Craig Bruby this last night. I was like, you guys have done everything. Like Alex and I watch them in practice every day. They work on it. They worked on five on three this week. And it looks like they've never seen a power play. 
So is it a deal where when they score a couple, it's going to click, and all of a sudden we're going to be talking about the power plays back? You know, I think that could happen, but I just feel like I've been saying that for three weeks. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. And, and also, too, and again, I'm, I'm a master at oversimplification because I've never played, but to me, like, I just want to NHL 24 it. I just want to get the puck <laughs> at the point. I want to throw it at the goal, and I want to see what the hell happens. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, like, deflection goals and junk goals, and like, and I just feel like there's still one too many passes, one too many ways to try to make it look pretty, and it's not we just need to bang yeah. one of these gosh dang things in there. Again, just, off of the gonads of the official. Yeah. You, you just gave me PSD talking about NHL 24 <laughs> because I get a 10-year-old son, and, like, I've got the controller in my hand, and I'm trying to play. I want to be that good dad that's playing the video game with the kid, and he goes, 11-1, dad. <laughs> oh, dude, well, let me, let me, t- so my son is 23, and my son, outside of working and having a great girlfriend, shout out to Kayla, she's just the greatest. Benjamin, you hang on, darling. Uh, he plays a, a ton of video games. I very rarely get to play anymore. I can still kick his ass at NHL, and it drives him <laughs> insane. And I do it, and I talk crap the entire <laughs> time that I'm doing it. Let's and it is the it. it is the most most fun. It'll be something like a little subtle, you know. I'll be like score and hey, three to one there. Good defense, bub. <laughs> and then like and dude, he and and my son and I have an amazingly wonderful wonderful relationship. Like he is just my guy, and. It just steams him up so bad, and I love it oh, yeah. because that's the only thing. I mean, like you know, man, he's he's stronger than me, he's faster than me, you know, like all yeah. of those. He's better looking than me. He's got all of those other things, but at least I could still yeah, beat him in hockey. On to that. Yeah, hold on to the video games, man. I would break so many controllers if that if I was Benjamin. Yeah. Be like. Damn it, Dad! Yeah, but you know what, though? Benjamin realizes that that controller is $60, and Benjamin does not have $60 to spend on said controller. And I know there's chirping in the NHL, right? But usually it's, you know, things back and forth to each other at center ice or what have you. But uh, I'd love to hear Pavel Buchnevich score and go, hey, three to one, good defense, bud. <laughs> Skates by the bench. Good defense, bud. Give him a little, give him a little pat on Just the way. A little, uh, little uh, shorzy out there. So, so I, I do want to, and we, we, you know, we, we alluded to him a little bit earlier, uh, but guys, I mean, Robert Thomas, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the things that we were wanting to see at the beginning of the season was another level for Thomas and Cairo and, you know, I think we're seeing it. I mean, we're we're you know, maybe not all there, and maybe not all the time, but boy, oh boy, guys! I mean, it's really something special oh, to yeah. get to watch these guys play. He's shooting more. I mean, that's that's the number one thing that sticks out to me about Robert Thomas. No longer is it the skate into the zone and make the pass and look for something. It's skate into the zone. Is the pass there? No, cool. I'll take the shot myself. Last night was just a really good setup play by Buchnevich to get it onto his stick, but I'll go back to the previous game against the Winnipeg Jets, the goal that he scored. I mean, you have the forecheck of Kapanen that keeps that puck alive, that stick lifts the uh, defenseman to get it to him, and then Robert Thomas just takes it and right into the slot and just risks the shot. I mean, last year we were talking about him looking for another guy to pass that to. I think some of the success also has just been broken up of Thomas and Kairou. I think Kairou's his own guy playing with Shen. Thomas is his own guy playing with Buchnevich. And when they're together, it's like they're always trying to find each other. But when you're not, it's like, oh, you know, maybe Tom I got to do this myself. Yeah, or I'm whatever. the captain now. Like, got I'm going to take this in and shoot it. And I mean, 
some of this has to be working with Adam Oates, too, for Robert Thomas. Yeah, and he touched on that the other day, just kind of working on where to be, how to position your body. Yeah. That opens up space. It's it's nuances that we really can't see or, or feel, but he feels it. And and I think that's the biggest thing with the success that Robert Thomas has had here recently. It's the way he's doing it. You know, these aren't breaks or fortunate bounces or things like that. I mean, shoot, what's he up to? Five six straight goals now. games, but yeah, six five straight goals games. overall. You know, a lot of them have been on that wrist shot. That wrist shot has been lethal, but last night he's at the net and, and he makes a play. So I like everything he's doing right now. Eventually it's going to have to start opening things up for his line mates, which yeah. I think it it will. I listen to Bernie Federko all the time, you know, one of the greatest centers to play in the NHL, and he said a couple days ago, which we've all been saying for a couple of years, you know, once other teams respect Robert Thomas's shot, it's going to open up some space for those line mates, and we all know that Robert Thomas can find those guys with these slick passes. So let me ask you guys this, because we talked Kairou the last time about being the star, and I gave you the, the 200 points threshold, and then JR one up me with his athletic piece. Appreciate that. <laughs> but if Thomas is a 30-goal scorer, which I think he's on pace now for like 37, 38 goals, if he becomes a 30-goal scorer, is that the threshold he needs to hit to be considered a star centerman? Yeah, I mean, and I don't know that he'll be that guy. I think this is a pretty good heater right now, and and you're going to have to see, like I said a second ago, you're going to have to see the assists you know, ring up. Right. I think these other guys are going to have to score. That's the type of player he is, and and the goals are great, and they should come, but I think he's probably a 25-goal guy, but for sure, if he can get to 30 somehow in a stretch of seasons, he, he's for sure and, at that And level. I feel like 25 goals for a centerman that's right, 25 right. years old is is star label. I mean, think of the centers in the NHL. They're typically the guys that are considered stars. I'm not saying superstars. Yeah. I'm saying stars. Those guys are typically 25 goals, 60 assists. We're talking 85, 95 points. Okay, this isn't so much as the play on the ice, but I very much would think that when you – are a Robert Thomas, and you're now essentially given the mantle of the team. I mean, long and short of it, with you know, with who you let, you know, didn't re-sign with the contract that you got. Hey, you are one of our guys here. <clears throat> How do you think that he has handled? Because I've seen him in the press more this year than I have seen him in all of his time in St. Louis. How do you guys think he's sort of growing into that? That those extra responsibilities that are not on the ice, and you know, having to do the interviews and being sort of the one of the faces of the team. Yeah, yeah I think good. I think the past two years, right, Alex? Uh, he's been the guy that they sent to Vegas yeah. as the team representative for the Blues. So there's 32 players in Vegas, and maybe he's volunteering for that yeah, trip. Gonna, I don't know. It's <laughs> kind of like the Perron yeah, with the yeah. too many men. Like, go to the box, David. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, hey, Colton, we need you to go to Vegas, and Robert's over. No, 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 no Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's been that guy the past couple years and he does do a lot of interviews uh post game you know he does the hit with the yeah. morning show yep. the opening drive by the way um yesterday they brought up his offense and his goal scoring streak mm -hmm. and he said that you know i hope you didn't just jinx me by saying that so he scored last night <laughs> i asked him hey at least that opening drive didn't you know jinx you he's like yeah thank god ask me about my <laughs> offense hockey so, players don't mess yeah, around with that yeah, man yeah. if he wouldn't have scored i'm not sure he goes on for his next hit yeah so he's a smart guy and i think he does a, a good job you know i personally felt that Braden Shen was the guy for the captaincy. Uh, he's the guy who Agreed. can kind of handle that load. But yeah. I think Robert Thomas, you know, he was next. And, and I think he can still be that guy down the road.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. I want to ask about uh, Joel Hofer. Uh, plays fantastic last night. Um, and Alex, you and I talked about this before the season started, and I'm curious to get your uh, take on it now and then to get JR's as well. So it seems as though goaltending is really starting to stack up for the Blues. Yeah. That it's starting to – looking like this this is going to be a position of of strength. All right? So – and I think I asked you this, and I'm sorry to ask it again, but I still think it's worth it. At what point – does the Blues goaltending depth give them one hell of a trade chip that probably not a lot of other uh, other teams would have in a goaltender to be able to trade? And I'm not saying that that's Bennington. I'm not saying that's Hofer. Right. I don't. I don't know. But it seems as though we are reaching a level where the goaltending is getting very, very impressive. Am I overstating that? Or and do you think that it's something that, you know, again, could turn into a trade chip sooner than later? I don't think you're overstating it. I mean, look at the depth. So you've got Bennington and Hofer right now. Hofer's under contract for less than a mil this year and next year. And then he's still an RFA. Bennington, you got locked up for the next, what is it, five years? Three after Three this, years with yeah. six mil. And then beyond that, you go to the minors. Malcolm Subban, of course, is just the one-year deal. But you got Vadim Zarenko, who a lot of Blues Intel are excited about, another big guy. Uh, and then you got Colton Ellis, who is in the East Coast Hockey League. So you are four deep right now with goaltenders, which is a good thing to do. In terms of the trade tip, chips, you know, when we talked – I thought that if Vadim Zarenko becomes a guy that they get really excited about and feels like, hey, he might be ready for the NHL, then you look at what you have and will one-two punch of Bennington and Joe Holfer and say, okay, can one of these guys bring us something? But the more I think about it, I don't know if you touch Bennington and Hofer. I, I, Friedman had the reports that you know Edmonton's looking for a goalie, and there's been reports that they've checked in on Bennington. It's not happening, people. He's got a no-trade clause. Plus, why would you trade away the one thing you're elite at right now? That's so dumb. Yeah, it, it makes zero sense. Unless you're calling up and saying, hey, we'll give you dry sidle. You're not doing it. Right. But you're in a position now where you're paying less than $7 million for both of your goaltenders for the next two years. And, I mean... Th- you don't survive in the NHL unless you're Andre Vasilevsky or Jake Ottinger without having a guy who can play 50 games and a guy that can play 32 games. Or maybe okay. even it's 45, and I can't do the quick math enough, 37 for you. That That's the strength right now. If a team calls and it's a godfather offer, yeah, you probably look at one of your goalies and say, we'll figure it out. But Vadim Zarenko's his growth becomes that trade chip, in my opinion. Yeah, the Edmonton thing doesn't make sense to me for this reason, that uh, you have 
so many contracts, long contracts, you know, veteran guys, 30, 31, 32 years old, and you can't just turn this thing over to Joel Hofer. You have a team that, if it plays well, you know, could make the playoffs, could stay afloat during this retool, and then you got the support coming in the next couple of years, you know, that you kind of transition things. If you let go of Bennington, like you said, your strength, now you're turning over to Hofer. People could say, hey, he's ready. But what I think is the way it's setting up, I think it's perfectly aligned. I think you got Bennington. Who, who can give you a strength in net for the next couple of years. Uh, he's got three years left on his contract. If you extend him beyond that, so be it. But if you don't, you've got Joel Hofer yep. who's going to get the next couple of years. Then he could be your 1A. Then you got a Zarenko coming up. I think if there's anything talking about trade chips, if, if Hofer and Zarenko both turn out really good, I mean, they're both about that same time that they're going to arrive, yep. You know, then maybe you move one of those guys. Okay. Because you wouldn't have one as the 1A, one as the backup at that point. You probably, If they're both starters in the league, you'd move one of those guys. Yeah, and then at that point, you're talking about a final year of Bennington. You're talking about Hofer being 26 years old, probably getting his new contract and is ready for that opportunity. And that's where you... But also look at the trajectory of the team in two years when you're at that point, or three years at the end of Bennington's contract. You're talking about Snuggerud and Dvorsky. You're talking about the team maybe being in the position to say, yeah, we're ready to really go for it. And if you've got a 26-year-old goaltender who has had the backup spot for a couple of years and now is ready to take that next step, you got a nice trade piece in place. So it's not happening now. I mean, frankly, if you want to be a playoff team, you've got to have Bennington and Hofer. But in two years, when the team is in a different position, that's where you look at it and you say, okay, maybe we can make some noise. I've been a Blues fan since I you know, was 11 or 12 years old. And so I have never experienced any sort of goaltending depth uh, with any sort of like certainty, what? so now that 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 it appears to be you know at our at our fingertips, I don't know why the hell I want to no, go man, and trade it away, man. Yaroslav <laughs> Halak, they had Jake Allen and Ben Bishop. That worked I, out great. You know what? And I say that, and I shouldn't say that because there were some really tremendous tandems for sure, obviously. But you guys know there was not that that shutter down one. Well, and those tandems were always backup guys. Like every time you felt like you had something, it was the guy that you signed when you remember you signed him. You're like. Brian Elliott? Yeah. Really? Now look at Brian Elliott's status here in St. Louis. Carter Hutton? Carter Hutton? Really? Look at Carter Hutton's status in St. Louis. You went on a stretch there of like, what, four years, five years, where you'd sign a backup goaltender and you'd be like, oh, damn, this guy's probably <laughs> going to be the best goalie in the NHL moving forward. So uh, real quick before we get out of here, I, I always want to try to bring up something else uh, around the NHL, not just Blues related, um, but just as a hockey fan, as a guy that enjoys really great jerseys, I have always uh, had a soft spot in my heart for the Edmonton Oilers. Mm-hmm. Always have, probably always will. What in the world <laughs> is going on up there? And also, though, like, why are you going into the year with Jack Campbell as your number one goaltender and thinking that that's going to be the answer, man? Like, no one... <laughs> Ken Holland, you're smarter than that, my man. Like, I know you are. So what What's going on? Because, guys, I could also see that team, if they got a goaltender, oh, yeah. going on a run. Well, yeah, well, and I mean, they they gave that extension to Stuart Skinner a few years ago, and you were like, man, what is this? Like, he only played a couple of games when you gave him the, the, the contract extension. You you traded for Jack Campbell, and that didn't work out. But it's it's more than just the goaltending right now. They got no offense. I mean, last night against San, San Jose, you scored one goal, and it was Darnell Nurse. Oof. Think of the the offense you have on that team. McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins. Evander Kane was playing on the fourth line last game. Like, they got no offense right now. And I, it honestly, it feels a lot like what the Blues power play feels like. It feels like it's just a group of guys that has the yips and doesn't know how to break out of it. 
I don't know what the hell's going on though. And frankly, if you're Edmonton, I'm I'd be very concerned of what the future looks like because you don't have a goaltender. You don't have a goaltender coming up. Don't have the money to get a goaltender because you paid Darnell Nurse nine and a half million dollars. Uh, you brought in Matias Ekholm. You paid Connor McDavid. Guys, Drysidel is a free agent after next year, and then McDavid's a free agent. I think two years after that. So like they're in a position where if you don't start winning, you might get to the point of what we are seeing from all of these guys who go into free agency. Jr. of yeah, I don't know if I want to resign here. So you're going to either have to trade me or play this one out and lose me in free agency. Yeah, Donnie, I think this ties into what we were talking about with the Blues goaltending is that, yeah, it looks like you might have a trade piece, but you can't do it because Edmonton, look at the situation they're yeah. in. I, I think you need to have as many options as possible because we see with goaltenders, they're just not all going to pan out. And if you put yourself in a position like Edmonton's in where you don't have a guy, I mean, you can call St. Louis and check in on right, right. Like it's it's just not going to happen. So here's a team that should be a playoff team. They were dynamite the past couple of years, and uh, you, you look at I think the the number is this: when 16 playoff teams every year, uh, there's about five new ones, and then so obviously five are sliding out. I would have never predicted in a million years that Edmonton would be one of the five that slides out this year. And granted, what are they now? Two and eight, two and nine. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they're going to miss, but as we saw with the Blues last year, once you lose eight out of those first 10 or 12 games, you know it's hard to get back into it, and especially when they don't have a goaltender. Yeah, well, well, I, I mean, you got to make up for those losses somewhere along uh-huh. the way, so unless you're able to go on a tear, you, I mean, you, you almost dig yourself a hole you can't get out and of. think of the teams you're playing a lot when you have to play the Pacific Division. You're playing Vegas a lot. You're playing L.A. a lot. You're playing Vancouver a lot. I mean, those three teams right there are significantly better than you. And then you got to worry about that next fringe of teams, too, with the Central Divisions, with the Eastern Conferences. It's going to be very fascinating what happens. I would imagine you're going to have to fire your head coach. Like that, I mean, I don't know what else you do if you don't fire Jay Woodcroft, but who are you bringing in that's really going to turn this thing around? Well, the name that people have floated out there, Joel Quinville. Of course. But oh, but they boy. said that the new lawsuit that's popped back up with yeah. Chicago, that now you really have to get – like they were rumoring that you'd have to get the NHL to approve it, but now that that lawsuit has been posted, now it seems like now you really have to get the NHL to give it the go. Because this is a second player of that Blackhawks organization of that time that Quinville was the coach. Correct. That 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 is that is coming to light, and and I had thought that Quinville had had that conversation in the off season with the NHL Probably. about reinstatement, but it obviously didn't come to fruition. Yeah, well, and I don't even know if it like I think he talked with him about it, but it has to be another team that's interested in him, and I don't know how that whole thing works. Yeah, the only thing though is that. <laughs> He said that he was unaware of the beach situation, which and it turns out that he obviously did know about it. And I don't know if he doesn't have any direct knowledge of this other right. incident or was on the record lying about it, then perhaps it's it's not an issue. But yeah, you're right. It's you know, damaged goods for lack of a better term. And you know, if if uh, they're gonna have to go through a process of trying to get him reinstated to make him the coach, maybe he's not the guy. All I'm saying is that oh yeah, he, he could be a guy. Oh. Any over. team that fires a coach that has Stanley Cup aspirations, that's what you're – I mean, that's what Florida did. Like, Florida brought him in because they were like, hey, we're ready to start winning. Any team that believes they can win. The other one, too, is uh, our good buddy Gerard Gallant, who yeah. seems to always get hired by another team. So. Yeah, and, and doesn't – and it seems like he is very good at getting 
a team to be good, and then he gets fired. And then loses it. I don't exactly understand, because wasn't he in Vegas? Yeah. And they were good. And then he was in New York. Rangers. And then they were good the one year. Didn't they get to, like, the second or third round, and then they lost, and then he was... Gone oh, the next yeah, because isn't Captain Sourpuss the, the head coach in Vegas now? <laughs> yep, yep. Your oh, favorite. I hate his face. I hate his face. <laughs> I, I can see it now, and I hate it so much. Like, I, like I, it, 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 the frown, the whole ev- everything. Is that also because to, it was Boston? It was Blues Boston? Uh, I, yeah. I think that that def- – uh, well, San Jose. Because yeah. uh, he was head coach of San Jose the year that the Blues went to the finals, right? No, he was uh, Boston Cassidy. Right. Cassidy's in Vegas. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Oh, I thought we were talking about New York. No, 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 I, no. I was. T- I, I. You know what? I, I don't even know where I am now yeah, at this no, par- yeah. at this particular time. No, I was. Either way, Ca- Captain Sourpuss Pete DeBoer is who you're talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, Oh, I, I'm yeah. sorry. I thought you were talking about Cassidy in Vegas. No, 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 no. Okay, Pete so DeBoer. Pete DeBoer. He's Dallas. Dallas now. Yeah, oh, he's in Dallas. Now. Who is in New York? Uh, that's a La Violette, right? Yes. Oh, it is La Violette. Yeah. Yeah. God, that son of a bitch. Who's the coach He's for Arizona? Kind of sour puss. Who's, who's that coach for Arizona? That's that Tarigny. Ter- Tarigny. Yeah. That dude looked like he was going to lose his mind oh, last yeah. night. He was angry. <laughs> but at one point there was like seven penalties, well, I, and yeah. the blue and, the, and, and 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 Winnipeg at, or Arizona had one. Well, the, the one that he was, the one I thought he was going to throw something over the boards like Bobby Knight style was when they called the offsides on Dursey. I mean, I watched that replay. That looked like it was on side still. It hit his knee like in the zone, but they called it offsides. Man, I thought he was going to lose his mind. Well, and when they went to the camera. The the camera was on him a couple of different times. He was saying some words like you. Like I always wonder what the magic words are that get you tossed. They were giving him some room last night <laughs> because were... man, there was a lot of f words coming out of that well, guy's at least mouth. He used words. What was Liam O'Brien doing? What What is the the, the was he doing the gobbler like a turkey? I have no does idea. Does he know that, that guy last night? I was say, does he know that like the turkey's not a chicken, right? I mean, I guess the chicken has a gobbler. I- I think Sammy Blay hit him with like a roll of toilet paper, and he got upset about that. <laughs> Nothing is funnier than watching in slow mo Liam O'Brien shove cross check Sammy, and Sammy not react, and then circle around and chase after him <laughs> like that big brother. Like, hey, get, get back here! Hey, get dude, back here! You know what, man? I, that I, I, that is something I didn't write in my notes that I wish I would have. Real quick, uh, Sammy Blay seemed to be like a bit more engaged and 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 really. A part of it last night and maybe he has been and, and i just haven't picked that out but i really feel like when sammy blay is pissing people off that that's like w- one of the things that he does best yeah i think so i think you know they started out on the third line this year and i think doug armstrong at one point said you know i thought maybe fourth line craig wants to put him on the third line we'll see how it goes you know since then they've obviously moved him down so the offense hasn't been there i think he's got one goal leads the team in hits he always does right um, he's been feisty a couple nights. He's been part of a fourth line that's kept the puck in the zone and battled and kind of established things for this team. But I think individually, he's been okay this year. So yeah. Could, could do some more, in my opinion. Yeah, well, and I think I felt like they wanted to put Blay and Neighbors together because of the offseason tournament that they played in for Team Canada. I mean, they looked really good together. Um, Blay's got a little piranha in him. Not so much a shot, but he's got the ability to piss the other team yeah. off enough. Which, look, I mean, he drew one penalty last night, two penalties on the the same guy. So if you can do more of that, plus I, I've loved that fourth line these last couple of games. Uh, like you talk about sustained offensive zone time, it's those three guys. They're just working, man. They 
just get in there and it's like the 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 phrase that you use all the time, the lunch pail and oh, the yeah. art and the art at man. They are just in there working. Oscar Sunquist earns every dollar, man. <laughs> like he is just in there digging. I love that it dude so takes much. A beating though, dude. Can you imagine? Like I, re- I, he to me is what like um Jake the catcher in uh, Major League would look like oh, after yeah. every game, where he's got just ice packs like all <laughs> over him, man. Like it would just be that way. All right, uh, we got to get out of here. One, I get to go home today. Jr. has a doctor's appointment, and uh, Alex, you got to go. I got a show. It's fine. So uh, for our homeboys, Jeff Burton and Jamie Rivers, uh, we've got Jeremy Rutherford from the Athletic, Alex Ferrario from 101 ESPN. I'm Donnie Fandango. Thank you very much for listening to the Last Minute Blues podcast. As always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.